Good morning. So glad you've chosen to be with us today. We start a new series today called I Choose. Our choices matter far more than we realize. This is an important message for everyone today. Maybe for some people they need to hear this more than others, but I think all of us need to hear it. Our culture has constantly bombarded us in such a way that we sometimes fail to see the connection between a choice we make right now and how it affects us in the next five minutes, uh, the next hour, the next day, week. And very few people think about how their choices affect their whole life. They just really look at each choice being kind of, well, they chose this because they wanted this, and they don't see how it affects their entire future. Here's a little bit more about this series. Our choices are not everything about us, We are shaped by many factors, our genetics, experiences, relationships, perceptions, and beliefs, to name a few. But our choices matter far more than we realize. Our choices can affect us for the remainder of our lives, for the good or for bad. And so sometimes we don't look at it that way. We just think of a choice as just a choice. And and we look in the moment. We look in the now. If I want to do this now, we do it because I wanted to. And we don't see how it affects us for the long term. And very few people see how their choices affect others for the good or for the bad and for a duration I remember hearing a sermon one time about how much is your sin going to cost me? And it was like, whoa, that's a startling idea, but it's so true. Other people, their decisions affect us. And yet we need to focus on our choices together. So today we're looking at the choice, purpose, I choose purpose over popularity. As I dove into this concept, I realized that I'm already expanding, I'm expanding, so it's kind of an intro to the whole series about choices. So as we expand into this series that we're going to be in for four sessions together, um, I'm not just focusing on popularity. It's not the one that, where I live, uh, where I choose I want to be popular. That's not my temptation so much. I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't want to be more popular. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so that's not where I live, but I discovered that there, a lot of people, the approval of others is really kind of governing how they choose in a day-to-day basis, choosing purpose over popularity. So we're going into broader realms than just this one choice, that you're wanting to learn how to choose that which is really an important purpose, because all of us have purposes, then that important purpose, you got to differentiate between all these other factors. So right now, if you are willing to start writing in some blanks, we're starting this way. If you don't want to write in the blank, we're starting this way anyway. Point number one, what is your reason for living? What is your reason for living? Now, I know that's a really big Big question. It's like, well, that's too big, you know. I'd rather just boil it down to what is the reason I decided to eat cereal this morning? That's easier, easier. But what is your reason for living? That's a huge question. There's a song that was written long before my memory. Of course, I'm culturally out of it. And uh, it was written by Dallas Frazier. It was sung by a number of really well-known artists. And here's the phrase, a couple of phrases from the song that were popularized. There goes my reason for living. 
There, I don't know it. There goes my everything. And it was a heartbreaker song. And he was so young when he wrote it. It wasn't about his own experience. He was actually writing about his mentor in the music world, about his mentor's experience who was going through a divorce. And he just kind of put artistic language to it. And he was so young. And it became top of the charts, his first song that he wrote, top of the charts. There goes my reason for living. There goes my everything. Everybody has a reason for living. And it, certainly it hurts when a, such a big puzzle piece that your life is all wrapped up and revolved around is moving away from you, leaving you. Well, let me just tell you, there's a puzzle piece that's so big that never wants to move away from you. And that puzzle piece that's so big is the person, the big person, the person of God himself that wants to be the hub and reason for your life. I've um, begun to pray a prayer, and I've written it out sometimes to just go back to it and remind myself over and over again. I pray something that's like this. Jesus, you aren't just the means to a better life. You are the good life. And it was a reminder to me that I'm not just adding Jesus to my life to make my life better. He's the very center, the very hub. And begin to think that way is a hard way to think. So when I say choose purpose, I'm actually asking you to consider choosing the grandest, greatest purpose that is a reason to live. And so if you have this grandest, greatest purpose as the hub of your life, everything else starts to fit in the right place like the spokes around the right hub. If you don't choose that right hub and you choose a lesser hub, then you get all kinds of things that are going to pull you off course and you'll discover some more chaos in your life. Now, I mentioned I'm not just going to make this a choice between purpose and popularity. Um, Let's make it a choice between purpose and prestige, purpose and power, purpose and pleasure. Do you see a theme here? uh, Alliteration. So I I want to stay with the P's because when I start picking other stuff, it starts to feel like, ah, between purpose and food. You know, when I start talking about my own obsessions, my own thing that I start pulling off center and getting so obsessed about, then it's like too close to home. So let's just keep it in the out there realm. Now, I want us to start with a verse that if you've never heard the verse before, it makes you do a double take. And if you've heard it before and you've heard me or others talk about it before, you kind of go with the ho-hum. I know this one. I want us to do neither uh, double take and then let it go or ho-hum. I want us to dive into what could this possibly mean because the reason for living is huge. Paul wrote Philippians. It's one of the most joyful letters he ever wrote. The circumstances for this letter are everything but joyful. You'd think this could be the most depressing letter he ever wrote, but it's not. It's the most joyful letter he ever wrote. And we have 13 of his letters in the New Testament. And in this one is so filled with joy, but he writes, for to me, living means Living for Christ. That's kind of like my prayer. Christ isn't just the means to a better life. He's the very source of life itself. 
He is the good life. He's the provider of all the meaning. He's the hub. And when I make him the hub, everything starts to become grander and more amazing. The ordinary becomes extraordinary if you make Christ the hub. So, for to me, living means living for Christ. Now, no wonder he's so joyful. He's found a secret. So it's not enough to just go, wow, okay, I'd like that secret too. We kind of have to dive into the experience to even understand how this could possibly work. It's not enough to have it in your head. You have to take some steps to dive into the experience where you begin to look for Christ in everything. He's your everything to you. And then purpose starts to make sense and your life starts to become more beautiful and more meaningful. Point number two is this. Lack of purpose can be deadly. Lack of purpose can be deadly. What I'm about to do right now is read a story. It's a true story. John Bukema is telling the story. He's telling a story about a a men's round table uh, meeting and, and the conversation that took place there. And what's so funny is I can totally see this conversation taking place at the men's breakfast around a round table, especially I can even picture who would say exactly what right in this picture. So it's kind of really live and very real to me. John Buchema tells the following story. I attended a community prayer breakfast and sat at a table with a group of men I didn't know. In the course of our conversation, the subject of retirement came up. The man sitting next to me who appeared to be in his early 50s was quite excited by the prospect. He said how much he was looking forward to the end of his career and related a conversation he had with his wife that very morning. My wife asked, he says, what are you going to do when you retire? I told her, I'm going to sit on the couch and watch TV all day, every day. (laughs) The table was silent. But John Buchma says, I couldn't keep quiet for long. If you do that, I said, You'll be dead in one year. He looked at me wide-eyed and asked, why? I told him, if the lack of purpose in your life doesn't kill you first, your wife will. (laughs) That's a little bit of reality there. Lack of purpose can be deadly. Lack of purpose just is aimless and you're going to fill the void with a lot of different things. And it's deadly. Point number three, the wrong purpose needs to be exposed and denied. The wrong purpose needs to be exposed and denied. Now, just in case I'm making you nervous, I'm not going to ask you to bare your soul and expose your wrong purpose for living anywhere to anybody today. I want to just help you to understand something. We are masters at fooling ourselves as to what is the reason for our living, especially if we come to places like this and hear about God and hear about how we need to bring glory to God and we all fool ourselves into thinking, yeah, we, we've got the right purpose in life. We've got, a, we've got it all together. And the reality is we need to be really careful and introspective and look at our lives and we'll discover that there's a real driving purpose that we haven't identified that's kind of become the hub. I, my hubs sometimes change. I'll Change out this hub for this hub, this hub, this hub, and I did, whoa, I need to get rid of the hub. That's messing me over. 
I need to get back to God. And then something else will sneak in. That's pulling too much attention. I need to get back to God. And he needs to be my hub. And we need to identify and deny ourselves the wrong purpose because we fool ourselves. I'm going to help you do that, not to have you say this to anybody else, but to look at your own life. So here are three questions that I'm going to ask you to reflect, to identify any wrong purpose you might have. Question number one, when you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing you think about? Question number two, during the day, what do you spend most of your time thinking about? Question number three, as you fall asleep at night, what tends to dominate your thoughts? All right, so we've got a lot of blank stares looking at me like, I don't know, I don't think about anything. What do you think about? Nothing. For guys, that's really possible, by the way, women. (laughs) It, It can happen, but actually... If you think about it, there's, there's a hub there that you kind of circle around and circle around and circle around. You need to figure out, is this a good hub? Is this a good purpose? Now, I just want to tell you something just so that you'll hang on to uh, listening a little bit. If you're 60 or you're 91, this is never too late to identify what, what center are you revolving around. It's, you, you want to figure out what the purpose is, expose the thing that's perhaps off-center in your life. And if you're just 16, 14, 22, it's never too early to figure out what is causing you to choose what you choose and do you have a center, do you have a grand purpose, a grand reason for living. Never too early to begin to figure that out. Here's a reflect. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, ask the creator of the thing. Now, I almost wanted to take the time to show you picture after picture. I looked up a bunch of, of tools that I don't I have any idea what these tools are. And if you don't know what a tool is, one way to find out about this tool is to ask the person who invented it. They invented this tool for a very specific reason. It's got, oh, that makes perfect sense. The designer of the tool made this tool, and that's a perfect tool for doing that. Okay? But really, I'm not talking about tools. Talking about us. If you don't know what your grand reason for living is, we need to ask the designer what is our grand reason for living. You know why? We've lost the ability to identify our own purpose. Our world tells you all you got to do is look inside. What is it that you want? And as you look inside and see what you want, just go for that. I say, no, no, don't do that. Don't you know? We, if left to our own devices, will want something that will lead to our own self-destruction. That's a grand summary of the book of Genesis and the entire Bible. Since the beginning, the first human pair wanted something that was outside of their grand design and with wanting that began to bend themselves towards self-destruction and from that point forward, we are like broken tools. Let me put it this way. This would never happen, but imagine your car desperately wanting Kool-Aid instead of gasoline. 
lots and lots of sugar. Oh my, I really want Kool-Aid. Now, I don't, I'm not a mechanic, so I can't tell you what will happen, but I've heard that would be really, really bad. It would totally destroy the car. But here's the thing about cars. Cars aren't bent towards their own self-destruction, choosing the very thing that will be against them, but humans are. Since the fall, we have inside of us a lot of dangerous desires that we have to be very careful about because if we go with, now what is it that I really want? We will go to a self-destructive place and we'll want it more and more. And Jesus says, those of you who sin will be enslaved to sin and you'll want it more and enjoy it less, which is a horrible formula because you want more and you'll get less out of it. And I want more to get that feeling I had at first and I want less, I get less out of it. And you're on the destructive path of choice gone bad. Point number four. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. Living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. We're going to do something fun right now. We're going to imagine. I want you to imagine with me. Imagine you woke up this morning and everywhere you go and every interchange you have with somebody, everybody acts like they just think you're awesome. They like you. They just love everything about you. Everything you talk about, they totally approve. I approve. You're awesome. And they just approve and think you're wonderful. Isn't that great? It's it's just imagination. It'll never happen, right? That just doesn't happen. This side of heaven, that'll never happen, okay? Picture that scene. And yet we go for people's approval more, I want people's approval. Oh, I want them to like me. I want that. Oh, she, if you just understand me, you would like me, right? And they don't like you. Well, you, you just misunderstand. You would like me if. Uh, anyway, let's imagine something different. We wake up. This is imagination now. We wake up and we can't wait to get started because inside our veins are pumping this passion and this purpose that we know exactly what we're designed for and we can't wait to get to it. And when we get to it, we're like totally energized. We're so energized we forget to eat. Like for me, that would never happen. It's total imagination. We forget to eat. We just go, 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 go because this is sweet. This is thriving life. This is what I'm made for. Jesus, did you know that one time he was doing precisely what he's made for. And he had been hungry, and the disciples went away to get food, and they come back, and they go, aren't you hungry? He says, oh, you have, you have no idea. I, I have food you don't even know about. He's on track with his God-made design. Now, the difference between the first imagination, that'll never happen, and the second one is, that's available to us. If we will discover God's purpose for us There's a general set of purposes that we need to understand through the lens of his revelation. And then there's a very specific purpose for for us, how he's designed us, what he's made us to really thrive on with our characteristics and our loves and our likes. And even he'll take an inept social guy like me who's an introvert and put me in a setting that I thrive in sometimes. In other parts, it's like, oh, total stretch. You know, good thing I'm married to my wife. Can you talk, honey? 
you know, but he can set us in this life of purpose. Now, with that kind of as a backdrop, let's take a look at another piece that Paul wrote to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 10. Paul wrote this, Obviously, I'm not trying to win approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Now, obviously, as we're seeking God and pursuing God, and when you're really on track and doing the thing God has made you for, you don't want to be mean to people. Uh, Can you go do this? No, I've got my purpose. Back off, okay? I'm, I'm living, I'm thriving here. You're, you're really messing with my thriving life. Uh, no, here's the, here's the tension. God has made us for relationships. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, right? And that works together with another purpose he's made for us, to love our neighbor. And so when he's talking about becoming a people pleaser as opposed to a God pleaser, it's understanding that out of your love for God will flow love for others. If you are self-centered, how can I put it? God designed me in the likeness of his image. He designed Jesus Christ, the very image of God. He's the very image. He's representing God. He's created me as human being, and you too, as a human being, to reflect God in the likeness of his image. So here's one way I take that. It's like he made us like shiny human mirrors. As a shiny human mirror, I function best when I reflect who God is in my very being and how I choose and what I live for. And as I reflect his very being, you look at me, and if I'm aimed correctly, glory shines, but you're not really seeing me. You're seeing the one who I reflect. I'm godly like God. I'm generous like God. I'm loving like God. I'm joy-filled like God. And as I'm focusing on living my whole life for God, there's this reflection of glory. The moment I change my view of me to wait, why should you get all the glory? What are you, a ego guy where you have to always be praised and honored and it's all about you? No, hold on a second. God is whole and perfect and needs no strokes from us. He's not working for our approval. That whole thing about asking us to reflect him is for our benefit. And when we look to him and praise him, we thrive because that's what we're designed for. It looks like this. When I join Paul in real living, it's all about you, Jesus Christ. I can move from wherever I am to where God wants me to be as I'm trying to be like Jesus. He's my very reason for living. And what it looks like is he fulfills all my needs. He makes me whole. He makes me loving. He fills me up. And then he gets all the glory. And guess what happens? People around me like me better because there's more of him in me. If something shifts inside, I go, oh, let's talk about my needs here. Let's talk about what I want. All of a sudden, it's self-centered. I'm no longer operating according to my design. I'm cutting off his glory. I want some glory. That's when we start getting in trouble. It gets dark real fast. My marriage isn't as happy. My family isn't as happy. Friendships aren't even happy. 
It gets dark. Here's a reflect. Our aim for the approval of others will keep us from the purposes of God. Our aim for the approval of others will keep us from the purposes of God. Our aim for the approval of God will cause us to love and serve others. You want to go for God's glory, God's honor, not climbing up your glory train. I want some more glory. I want some more. Look at me. Ooh, goes dark fast. The fastest way I know how to get a hold of this concept is to quote Peter, who's quoting the Old Testament. And Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 says this, God opposes the proud, but, give, but favors the humble. God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. I don't know about you, but the last thing that I want ever in my life is to have the Almighty opposing me. But there's a formula to have that opposition take place. The moment I go dark towards him, he stops shining his glory and he opposes me. And as I try to absorb glory for me, his favor stops. His blessings stop. He stands opposed to me. We'll see where this goes, where you want the glory for you. Ooh, if there's anything I don't want, I don't want the Almighty to stand opposed to me. And there's one simple formula for reversing that. Stop making it about you and look to the glory of God, all to his glory, all to his honor. Life's all about you, grand reason for living, and everything else is better as we shine with the love and life that God gives us. Here's a reflect. You will invest your life in something or you will throw it away on nothing. Choose that something well. You are designed to thrive by bringing God the honor he deserves. Steve May is a preacher that I enjoy. I've never heard him. I've just read some of his messages. He uh, wrote this out. A football coach might say that all day long he thinks about winning a championship. That is his reason for living. A novelist might say that all day she thinks about finishing her book. That is her reason for living. A parent might say that all day long he or she thinks of how to take care of the children. That is their reason for living. Others might have more immodest goals. Some may say they think about food all day long, or sex, or money, or their problems, or taking the next drink, or their career. Whatever you think about all day long, that is your reason for living. Is it a good reason? Here's an easy way to tell. Ask yourself, is it worth dying for? Is your job worth dying for? Is a little money worth dying for? Is a pizza worth dying for? Is what you're living for worth dying for? Now, the reason I say that is I did not finish the quote that is that deep, deep quote of Paul's that we go, 
What is this about? Here's the rest of Philippians 1.21. It goes this way, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. Christ is worth living for, he is worth dying for, and there's no loss there. That is when the hub is central and you recognize it to be the hub and everything else now takes order and perspective from that hub. On the back side of your outline, there's what I'm going to show on the next Reflect. Three blanks with three concepts that you can use for yourself to kind of, where am I going to go with this? What am I going to do with this? You can take this with you and see what you can do. My main purpose is blank. This is just between you and God. What is it that is your reason for living? Your everything. What is your hub right now? My main purpose is this. My main distraction is this. To choose purpose, I will blank. Think about that. Take that with you. Don't just go away and do nothing. Dive more deeply into this huge, huge concept. For now, I'd like us to consider this prayer as a way of wrapping things up for us to take this and go from here. The prayer reads, Dear God, there is power in purpose, especially your purpose. I choose to refocus my attention to the desire, design, and direction you have for my life. Help me to make pleasing you the main thing. Let me just say this before we pray it. If you're praying this, I don't want you to misunderstand. None of us has the power to make him the main thing just by our choice. When we choose him, we're choosing him as savior. We're choosing him as the one who's able to help us, who draws us, who empowers us, who changes our desires, even our messed up desires so that we can desire the right desires more strongly. It's all about Jesus pulling us in, drawing us in, and us choosing to be drawn in in this relationship that is redeeming and saving and helpful. I hope this is a desire for you. Let's stand together and declare this prayer. Ready? Dear God, there is power in purpose, especially your purpose. I choose to refocus my attention to the desire, design, and direction you have for my life. Help me to make pleasing you the main thing. Amen. I hope you go away today and really begin to think and take this beyond just the listening. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Take some steps, do some more with it. Next week, I hope you come back because we're going to choose surrender over control. Surrender over control. An important topic. And don't go away if you've got a burden. There's a prayer team to the right of the stage. Whatever burden that is, whatever you're struggling about, have somebody pray with you. God bless you. See you next week.